0: I'm here with a beautiful community of women who, I don't know if anybody's in here right now or they're still at the table. There is Candace in there. Oh, everybody's here. Look, right in the back. Candace, Robin, and Bella are right back there. And we came up here from Nashville, and we had a great day with a group yesterday here at your church. We talked about the practices of healing. We made oils. We sold products. And I even convinced your clergy to wear the Ukrainian socks if y'all want to do a little show. These are all handmade socks by the women from eastern Ukraine on sale at the table. Aren't they beautiful models? Um, I know anytime you can make pastors into models, you've won, right? It's already a victory today. But we have loved it, and we got to visit some of the amazing ministries here in Flint that are doing so, so much. And I love that I ended up here in Flint, Michigan, and really what I think of as the climax of the Gospel of Matthew. If you guys have been following the lectionary all fall, you know that it's been leading up to this. Jesus has been teaching and teaching and teaching. You know, in the next chapter... He's weeping over Jerusalem. And the plot is set and everything is done. These are his last preaching moments. And so, of course, the climax is reminding us that God is love and we should love God. We should be with God with all our hearts, minds, and spirits to see our neighbors as love and create as the creations of God. To love God, self, and others. That's the whole thing. But he's been building up to this for so long. It says he's starting in Galilee. This is like chapter 16, 17 in Matthew. And he's like, let me teach you how to be church. And it's the only time in all the Gospels, there's two times in these chapters where he uses the word church. You want to learn how to be church. So he starts off and he says, look, if you're going to be church, I need to teach you about love. And not just love the way that we say it's like spiritual or with our family, but love is this powerful force for change. That's the kind of love I want to teach you about, the kind that can start a movement for freedom, for peace, that can become a community to be carried on for generations that can change economics and politics and structures, love, that kind of powerful love. This is the kind of love that was referred to by Gandhi as Ahimsa, H-I-M-S-A, that was carried to the U.S. by Howard Thurman, one of the great leaders that um, was considered the grandfather of the civil rights movement that wanted to talk about love as a force for change. And so Jesus begins by teaching us, look, if you want a love that can establish church and make change and set people free, first, it's love that is humble. And he talks about the last being first and the first being last. And then he says, it has to be communal. It's a love that is shared. What you And that is powerful. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And then he says, listen, this kind of love that I'm talking about, it has to be forgiving. And he goes on. This is like now chapter 19. And this love is um, the kind of forgiving love that's, what is it, 70 times 7? And I told my husband the other day at our 35th wedding anniversary that I think I'm at like 768. And he said, no problem, I'm at 769. <laughs> the idea that we continue to forgive and fall deeper in love, that kind of powerful love. And then he says, guess what, this love is also generous, and he tells the story of the landowner who gives the same to people coming any time of day that want to come be a part of the vineyard. It's generous. And it's more than that. He says, it's fruitful. This love has to produce good fruits. It has to be relevant. It has to be practical. It has to be ongoing and keep generating. This love has to be merciful. And then a couple weeks ago, this love has to be surrendering. Oh, my gosh. We have to give all of ourselves to this. It's not giving up. It's giving in. And giving our whole selves to this idea of how can we have our life be dedicated to the love of God. You know, and at this point, he's left Galilee, he's come to Jerusalem, he's now preaching in the temple, he begins arguing with the Pharisees and Sadducees, any lawyers in the house? Y'all do not look good in this one, I'm just saying. And by the way, neither do the pastors. (laughs) And he's like, it's not an argument. This love is not an argument. It's not a debate. And he gets here, and he says in the temple, you want to be church? You want to be community? Love God, neighbor, and self. Now, this kind of sermon... That preaches love is not one that can be done in words. You remember St. Francis saying that preach love always use words when you have to. And honestly, the creating of Thistle Farms was what I understood to be my love letter. To be how I preached love as a young pastor 30 years ago. I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I was, you know, at Vanderbilt University. Started this community and said, what we want to do is be a witness to the truth that in the end, love is the most powerful force for change. We did it. We opened communities. We started a whole justice enterprise, making bath and body care products, not just to make your Christmas shopping easy. We did it because, you know, you can't talk about loving people if you're not worried about their economics and their well-being and their safety and the violence and vulnerability of poverty is what keeps people sometimes decades and decades in those revolving cycles so we started making healing oils and candles we started you know sister communities it grew and grew this love letter like love does love is dogged not dogmatic and it was desiring to grow and flourish so 25 years later, we have the largest justice enterprise of its kind run by women survivors in the whole U.S. We have 92 sister communities offering long-term free housing for women survivors of trafficking, addiction, all kinds of things that keep people on the streets. And then we have 30 global partners like the women who started and became Our latest, one of our latest partners, um, the women from Ukraine called Love Rises, who are still speaking of love even in the midst of war. Now, it's a brave and courageous and curious and wondrous thing to talk about love in these times, right? I mean, these are polarizing times with some very uncertain economics and so much... Destabilizing news about war and natural disaster, and it's like sometimes, maybe in this wider world, not inside this stunning sanctuary, it feels crazy to talk about love. But that is the calling. Jesus is talking to his disciples about this is how you love in the world so we can be community. And this kind of love takes years of discipline. This kind of love that Jesus is talking about requires daily practice from all of us. It is not easy. There was a woman who came to Thistle Farms 15, 16 years ago. She was the first candle maker and the candle maker is an amazing position at Thistle Farms. We used to all pour candles until we realized we weren't all pouring equally. But the idea that Thistle Farms is a light in this world and we light the candle for the woman on the street and the woman trying to find her way home. So the very first official candle maker that made our products, you know, worthy of getting into all the Whole Foods in the country is a woman named Ty. And Ty's story starts out like so many of the women who come into the community of Thistle Farms not just from Nashville, but from all over the country, and even from other countries who have come to be with us. Just so you know, we have about 400 women on the waiting list. And that's part of the reason that this network and coming out and sharing the products and sharing our story is so important to us. So Ty came to us, like so many women, way early, abused and damaged. The way she tells her story is she hid from her stepfather during middle school and wasn't always successful so she ran away from home she said while other kids were trying to figure out what prom dress to buy she was trying to figure out which cars were safe to get into and she wasn't always successful at that she ended up being a part like so many women um you know moving on into being you know not just trafficked as a teenager but selling drugs and being on the streets is in her young 20s and she was part of a sting operation in rural Tennessee and every count um, was done separately so she had five felonies. She went to prison a long time. So many women who are on the streets as teenagers, we graduate them at 18 to prison. So she was in prison for years. She had one pending charge left, but she got out. She came to Thistle Farms, and she was doing everything right. She was going to therapy. She was working. She was making restitution with family members, helping raise her son. She was doing it. But she had one last pending charge. So she went to court, and the court said, um, Basically, they used the quote last week from Scripture, and the DA said, I just want you to know Caesar gets his due. And I was like, boy, that's the worst misquote I've ever heard. And try to explain to the court on her behalf how, what a great thing it is to come and be a community and love each other and how it saves the city money, we're safer, she's safer, how it is that it generates this hope and light in this world. And then the court went on to sentence her for 14 years. So she left Thistle Farm, she left her job, and she went back into prison. took about three years, but she got out, and when she got out, she came back, into the Thistle Farms building. It took three and a half years for the advocates and attorneys to get her out. She came back in, and the first thing she did is she walked into the back, and she started pouring candles. And I was like, Ty, how are you doing that? I would be so mad and so over it. You know, the short side of justice, the back side of anger... The inside of prison walls would have never allowed me to keep hoping and dreaming and saying, I'm still going to see this horizon in there, out there. She talked about this idea of forgiveness and mercy and compassion and community. And I'm like, oh my God, she knows how to love. She has done this work. She has practiced this in a way that is like a master class in what these Gospels of Matthew have been talking about. So I said, Ty, you have to go with me. I'm going to Austin to preach at this church. I want you to come share your story. We got permission from her probation officer. She went out there, she wrote it all out, and then she edited and edited and edited, trying to get the words right. I want to get this exactly right, she was saying, so people understand what it is we've been through, and how it is that Thistle Farms can change life. I'm telling you, she edited the plane, the breakfast, the more, and I knew she was nervous. And I was like, Ty, it'll be okay, I promise. You've lived it. And then something extraordinary happened that I've never seen before or since. Ty stood up in front of a congregation to share her truth about what love is. She had her papers and she set them down. Didn't say a word and she just began to weep. And then everybody in the congregation stood up and gave her standing ovation and people were crying with her. The love was so thick In the congregation you couldn't have cut through it with words they all went away we were loving each other with our whole hearts minds and spirits we were loving our neighbors as ourselves it was the gospel When we recognize each other that we're called to love in this deep way, there are no words. It is powerful and forgiving and fruitful and joyful. That is the call today for us in this world to love like that. Even when there are no words in the face of horrible atrocities, we are about that. I see you. I see that you want to love like that, that you want to get it right. You see me. I want to do this. I want to live my life deeply with meaning. And when we recognize that, we are living Jesus' biggest message, the climax of this whole gospel, and we will lay down our lives for this. We want to know love that is beyond words, where we recognize The face of God. Amen. That is the end of the sermon. But I will say that where I would like to meet you is after church at that table. Tell me what it is you love. Tell me what it is you hope. We will all be there to visit and be with you. And hopefully, Make it where you never have to buy another Christmas present this whole year and be done and enjoy the holidays. Thank you very much. Amen.